step into the mic today, Senior VP of Media and Content for the Washington football team, Julie Donaldson. So first and foremost, congratulations, uh, colleague for what, almost a decade I've known you yeah. now. So this was such a, a big move for you, Julie. So first and foremost, congratulations. Thank you. You know, one of the things that I do love about this job is I didn't have to leave the area. I didn't have to leave my friends. I didn't have to leave the connections that I built. And that's so important to me, especially right now during COVID, because I hate that we can't do this in person. But Chris, I've been so proud watching you with NBA TV, knowing that, you know, I can say I did shows with him over at NBC Sports Washington and Monica McNutt. I think she was an intern with us over at NBC Sports Washington. And I remember her, I knew she was going to go far because she was the one that came up to me and she said, can I have your scripts? I want to study your scripts. I want to study your scripts. And so I love, I love the success you're having, Monica. Keep kicking it. Thanks, Julie. And of course, ditto for you. I mean, this is incredible. Um, for Chris and I, obviously been in the area, when the announcement was made, yes, there's history and all that, but there's nobody else. Like you were the most logical next up. And so I'm thrilled to see it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, when it first came to me, obviously we talked about this, you know, and I, at times I said, I, I was like, no, like this just seems crazy. It's not the right fit. Um, but you know, they, they liked my work. They liked the way that I covered this team and I like the team. I like the guys. It's been a lot of fun seeing them come around. We can't get into the locker room because of COVID we're separate, but you know, we can wave through glass doors every so often. And so it's kind of cool to be able to see them and to be able to continue that as well. So you know, I'm glad that it became a job that I couldn't say no to. And really, it's exceeded all expectations. Nothing's been overwhelming so far, but I will tell you, it is a lot. That is for sure. Uh, but we're, we're having a lot of fun with everybody here. Julie, but you're used to a lot. I mean, you started off, what, covering the Miami Heat when they had an incredible team. Uh, you worked in Boston. You covered the Wizards, the Washington football team, who used to have a different name as well for years. But to, for me, I was. Um, I was in Atlanta, I think, and I turned on the TV because you tweeted you were going to be on the Today Show. And I'm like, okay, there's moments in your career, and then there's moments in your career. What was it like to, to be on a Today Show, to, to have that platform, and were you nervous? I know we don't get nervous in TV anymore, but did that opportunity make you nervous? You don't get nervous? I do. I'm nervous. Uh, no, I was definitely nervous. You know, like I grew up watching the Today Show. That was like, you know, that was kind of like the dream job for me, um, getting ready for school, watching Al Roker. And now here he is interviewing me and, and I'm with them. It was really cool. Um, and, and, you know, what I really loved is they wanted to celebrate, you know, all the triumphs that we have and to celebrate, you know, the direction that this Washington football team is going in because it's been through some dark days. There's been a cloud over it. The fans, the fans are upset, but we are giving them something that we hope that they're going to love to go forward with, be proud with. Uh, and we're making some real change, you know, and, and that was important to me. So to be able to get that message out there to say, you know what, we hear you, we listen to you, and we really want to bring you along with this and give you a great product, give you a great team to root for. Uh, so it was cool. But you know, you talk about my Miami days, man, I was hustling. I, I remember I would do the Miami heat games. I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning because I was producing documentaries for the discovery health channel. And I had to get my eight hour shift in. So I'd go in at 2am so I could get my eight hour shift. Then I would do standups for another uh, show that would take three, four hours. I'd go home do a quick change and run to the Miami heat games. I mean, that was sometimes like a standard day to me. Um, because that's again, how much we love this business. You do whatever it takes to be able to get going. Yeah, and it is all paid off for sure. Now, we mentioned the Today Show interview, and in that interview, Julie, you mentioned something that I think is so important. Um, you talked about the women's initiative that you're starting amongst the women employees um, of the Washington football team. And I think, and I've heard you address this, and I've read where you've addressed it, some folks had this knee-jerk thing, right? Like, it was a bad look in terms of the way women were being treated. Of course, they hired women, no brand. 
Chris and I, like I said, we know that you've been on this beat crushing it and it's not even about that. Um, but you are putting energy into moving that conversation and the culture forward in a way that is actually tangible and this isn't just a glamorous band-aid. You know, honestly, there's there's a lot of really great women here and I talk to a lot of them, some that have been here for 21 years, some that have been here for a year, some that are, you know, just coming in with this new regime. And, you know, they wanted to have that community and that connection. And I wanted to make sure anything that I say represents their voice and I can, and I can hear from them. Uh, so this was actually an initiative that they'd been trying to put together and it just didn't get off the ground. Of course, COVID came in and everything got in the way. And when I first came in, they said, do you want to wait? To do this, it's no. We we absolutely cannot wait. Things have to happen yesterday. In all honesty, in this this organization, and people have to know that we're tired. Of, we're tired of talking, Monica. Yeah. Look, we have the Me Too movement. I am sick and tired of talking about it. And where does it get us? We have to take action. And so that is the biggest thing. When we have these meetings, and we had our first leadership meeting within my first week here, and then we had all the entire all the women in the organization meet in my second week here. Forty five women came on that, uh, the, which is pretty much almost all of us. Just a few you weren't there. And we got to meet each other and learn about each other, what roles they have, um, what they want to get out of this, what they want to see, what they need, how they can grow in their careers, you know, how they can get wisdom, how they can get support for their families uh, when they're working the long hours. So we're putting a lot of stuff into action. Um, and that's the biggest thing that I say when we have these leadership meetings. I said, every time we meet with the entire group, we have to have some actionable plan to show them. And, you know, I think there's power in numbers. And when you finally realize, especially during COVID, we're all isolated as it is. And with so many new people coming to this organization and having to deal with the emotions of what they went through alone, it's hard. It really is hard. And so we want to build community to say, okay, you know what? We're not, we're not apologizing for what happened yesterday, but we want to bring everybody together and say, you know what, this isn't going to happen going forward. And we want to have fun with it. You know, we're going to create happy hours. We're going to create, you know, things that the entire company come with. This is not going to be just women. It's going to be the men involved as well. And I think that's important. You, we have to make sure we give context here for those who might be not from this area or didn't see the Washington Post report that 15 uh, former employees filed a sexual harassment complaint against the Washington football team. So that's what uh, Julie is referencing. So in listening to what you have to say about moving forward, um, I thought the Darius guy situation, as soon as he was arrested, he was cut. I thought that that sent a clear message. But then it's something I actually wanted to call you about. When I saw you on this podcast, I thought we could just talk about it here. Uh, Ruben Foster, we know that he was cut by the, the 49ers for his situation of multiple uh, allegations of domestic violence, and he was signed by this team a year and a half ago. What's different in his situation? Can you explain? Because I know that you had to have had a conversation about that um, and, and what you stand for as a team now. Well, look, when it came to Darius guys, the, the team was quick to take certain action. When they first learned of what happened, they said, you know what, we, we can't have you here practicing. You have to go home while we figure out what exactly is going on. Uh, so they did that. They did their research and they, they got the reports because there were three different incidences in his situation uh, of where this occurred. And they, did, they weren't aware of that until the one day that he did come in here. Once they found out the extent and, uh, of those allegations and of those charges, there's three different charges he was for, they decided that it was best to part ways with him. Um, you know, Darius, they had a lot of plans for him to be an explosive player in the running back room, to be on that field. And no fans were so teased with what he was able to do if he should stay healthy to be able to contribute. 
but head coach Ron Rivera has made it very clear that the kind of players that he wants, the message he wants to send and what they can and cannot accept in that locker room um, in order to get to what they want to do to move forward. So they made a quick decision once they had all the information to move forward from him. And the team understands that when it comes to Ruben Foster, look, these are players that they brought, they were inherited as well. Um, you know, they did their due diligence in understanding that situation. And it is a little bit different because the woman did come out with different, you know, side stories to that, um, that, you know, they wasn't necessarily the entire truth. Now, is he somebody that has had, you know, a bit of a troubled past? Yes. Uh, to talk to, and I went in right when they hired him uh, or signed him and talked to every single Alabama player that played with him. And I said, what kind of a guy is he that we don't know? And they all spoke up for him. And they said, you know, like, he just needs strong men around him to help him, to support him. And when I have asked guys, I said, okay, because I'm going to be the first, given especially, you know, what I've gone through and understanding this, it says, you know, that's going to be like cautious. You know, we have to be very careful on the character. Um, but they said he's been humbled. Uh, he even spoke today. So he's been humbled. Uh, he's been vulnerable. He has been having Malcolm Blacken and Doug Williams uh, with the player development coaching him up every day, giving him wisdom every day. And he's been receptive to it because he wants to get back out there. He wants to play. He wants to make sure that anything off the field doesn't distract on it. Uh, so look from teammates as well. They say that he's very engaged. So that's the situation there. Now going forward, you, you kids can't do a blanket statement, but there is a certain part of uh, tolerance and how much they will and will not tolerate. And they're going to handle it. I believe the right way. And I believe Ron Rivera is sending that message. Um, I, I want to have a, a, a slight side moment really quick, Julie, because that answer was terrific. But as I'm listening to you and you mentioned your personal story, like, it's, I hope that you have had a moment to really relish in the way that I just had a moment, how your entire story has prepared you for this moment. You know what I mean? Personally, and I don't want to get emotional, but like, <laughs> personally, professionally, like, literally, Julie, like, in terms of leadership, I am so proud of you as a friend, like, and as someone who looked up to you in the industry, um, I'm so excited for what you're going to do for other young women that want to get into sport, what you're going to put in place with that organization and make them better. Um, literally, like, there's no one else that deserves that. But um, sorry to do that, Chris. Um, no, you're getting me emotional. And, and you know, this is... Um I, this is part of the reason why I started out and say, I don't have to leave those relationships because you and Chris are friends and you have been friends and you've seen what I've gone through and you've heard the stories of what I've gone through. And I am a survivor of domestic violence and I, I was unemployed for a year and a half and I fought to come back to work. I was not going to let anything else be stolen from me, from my life, from my path um, and from my purpose. And so I fought to come back and I was given a second opportunity to be able to work. And you and Chris were some that really kind of uh, took to me and, and, and you know, were, were friends to me and, and respected the work and the hustle that I had. So that's kind of why I get emotional is because I don't have to leave those relationships. And yeah. I'm, I appreciate that um, because I know the heart that's behind it and, and the motive behind it. And, you know, it, it's not easy for me to still talk about these things in these instances because it is very real. And I know when I read what happened, I know what it's like to be in that room. I know what it's like to feel that pain. And I know what it's like to have to go through the legal process and everything with it. I feel that. Um, and it's something that it takes a long time and a lot of work and a lot of support to come over. But I have had great people behind me, surrounded by me, and still even now, you know, that are going ahead of me to prepare and help me for things that maybe I can't see coming or that I am going to experience along the way to build me up to say, you know what, that does not define you. Yeah. It does not determine who you are and it has no impact on the work that you can bring. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, it's not stopping me, but thank you. Um, I, and I, I, I'm glad to have y'all support. Yeah. 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 All that, all that. All right. So one of the big projects. <laughs> <laughs> All of that. Football. One of the big projects <laughs> that you are the helm of, you take over as the 
first woman in the NFL in the radio booth consistently. We just got the terrific announcement. D'Angelo Hall, Bram Weinstein will join you. And so far, Julie, it's been kind of veiled that you're, you're working on this new, innovative, connective way to bring fans into the broadcast. I think for us that think traditional, we're thinking maybe you're going to be the Michelle Tafoya of that booth. Can you share anything on what's coming or do we all just kind of have to stay tuned? <laughs> well, I mean, we're trying. The thing is, is with no preseason, uh, you know, our first go around is going to be actually week one against the Eagles. Um, there is going to be a inter-squad scrimmage that we're going to be airing. So we'll have that 90 minutes that we'll be able to kind of see what we're doing. And it's going to be a time where we're going to probably test some things out, see what works, what doesn't, how the fans react. So we can make sure when we do get to week one, kind of give you what you want. Yeah, it's going to be a three-person booth, you know, and I, I'm there. Um, you know, it's not lost to me that I'm the first female. It kind of blows my mind a little bit that I'm the first female to hold this on a regular basis, as there have been women coming in on per-game uh, scenarios, but not throughout the entire season. You know, I'm going to come in knowing more about this team than anybody, about the players, about what the coaches want to achieve, what they want to do, the direction that they're going in. You know, D'Angelo Hall, he played for 10 years here, you know, and he is so excited to come back because he wanted to win a ring with this team and he didn't get that opportunity, but he believes he can leave another legacy on the franchise by being able to come back and contribute in a certain way. He's from the area. He says he's a 757 guy. And so it means a lot to him growing up a fan of the team, playing for the team and to now Terry carry that on to the next. Bram Weinstein is a fan of the team. He grew up in the area. You know, he went to high school right here. Uh, I believe at Blair, no, Springbrook. He went to Springbrook High School, you know, and so he grew up a fan and he was telling me how his best memories were as a little kid going to RFK Stadium and going and cheering them on. So I really wanted to bring together a team that just loved this team. Uh, and we're going to make it fun. We want to bring the fans in. It's going to be streamed, which is kind of new uh, in and of itself. P fans will be able to interact. How we're going to do that, we're, we're going to tinker and figure out a well. Um, we're going to bring in some of the alumni into the game, you know, and, and try and get them, their voices in uh, to it, you know. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. We're going to try things here and there and, and, and see what happens. But we just ask fans to give us feedback. We can handle, you know, the criticism. We can also handle the praise. Hopefully there's more praise and criticism. But we want to really put together a cool experience on game day. Julie, you've been in this role for, I think, um, at the time this will air almost a month now. What's been the most challenging part of it? Or has it been different from your almost 20 years or has it been 20 years of experience in the, in the media prior to this? Yeah, I've been around a while, huh? Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool. It, it's interesting because I would think of everything, you know, being the senior vice president and, and being the only female in that leadership room, the captain's meeting, um, you know, coming in and being charged with rethinking all of the television programs that were out there once and, and how we're going to reimagine them. Um, you know, working with the crew that's been here for a while and the crew, some of them are new, some of them have been here for years, trying to bring everyone together and say, okay, what is it you want to do? How can I help you in that? And how can we put together some really fun, great programs for the fans? And then engaging with the fans. You know, I think that's really important because I think the fans have felt a bit neglected over the years and, and they want to be able to be heard. And so it, it, it's a lot, but again, like I said, nothing's been overwhelming because the 20 years of experience of knowing the fans, of doing the social media, of television shows, of works, what fits best with my personality, with what I think the fans want, with a crew that I'm working with, taking all of it and interwining it together. Um, you know, and also in 20 years, you learn a lot about leadership, what you like out of those that, that lead, what you don't like, what you want to learn from. So I think that really has been, you know, natural progression. And, and I'm going to continue to learn in it. And, you know, the mistakes are going to happen all across the board. But I think the biggest thing is it's not that those mistakes define you, but to grow from them and to get the feedback from the people you're working with on how you can do a better job to serve them so it can be a great experience, you know. Uh, so 
it's, it's really kind of taken a lot of my dreams as a little girl of, of running a company, of doing television, and also of having a platform of being able to use your voice for good. And that's what it's giving me as well. So it's kind of cool that it merges all of them into one. Um, I'm, I do have a couple football questions. I'm sure Chris does too. But before we go there, and this is no disrespect to all the people that I'm sure have showered you with love, but who <laughs> is the coolest person that has reached out to congratulate you? The coolest person? Um, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, the, the first day I had over 500 messages. Um, and, you know, I don't know that there's any one person in particular. It's just what was the coolest part of all of it for me is when the news broke, because of kind of what we were talking about earlier, my story was portrayed in the media as, as, as a victim. I, they victimized the victim. They tore me down for the situation that I was in and they celebrated the voice of my abuser. Um, and so in that people thought that they could just attack me um, in it. And so I was kind of prepared to kind of, you know, had my shield up to be like, what's going to come? Um, Cause I know what it feels like and it's real you know, um, but it was positive and that kind of blew me away, the support that I have and it's empowering, it's encouraging. And now I just don't want to let anybody down. So, um, so we're working really hard to try and get it right and to keep it that way. You know, to Monica's point, I just realized something because I had you as a guest on 1067, a fan about two weeks before you announced the job. Right. And then you get, and I'm like, hold on. She must've held this close to the vest or <laughs> It happened really fast. So which one was because do you, I know you remember I asked you, hey, what's do you know Daniel Snyder? Because, uh, you know, a lot of media members and we talked about him specifically. And it was like, oh, I don't know him very well. And now you work directly with him. Yeah, you know, um, that is interesting. No, it came up that fast. It, it literally, it came up on a Wednesday morning. I'm at the gym doing my workout alone with my mask on and just the instructor, by the way. Again, I hate COVID. And uh, I got the phone call that said, hey, we want to talk to you about something and present you with a, you know, an opportunity that just don't come around very often. And so that was on Wednesday. And uh, by what, the next Monday morning, I was signing my contract. Wow. There was a, I think I was on my phone the entire time throughout that entire weekend, uh, making the decision and making sure that it was right. Uh, you know, and I also think that I told you, you asked, what'd you say? You said, what, what should the name be going forward? And I said, you know what? I'm probably a little boring. I just like the Washington football club. You did. You did. <laughs> I did. I did not know we'd be calling ourselves the Washington football team um, yeah. until we do get a permanent name. But I, I thought that was kind of funny too. That's why I thought you had the inside track there. I was like, wait, this is too much, too many coincidences. Nope. I just, look, I mean, I, this has been what I do. I, I, I cover the team. I cover them inside and out. So it's just, you know, it's what it's the one team I'm really in lock to here um, more than any other. All right. So one of the things that was sort of a buzz in the last few weeks, you, you were in place by this point, the quarterback deal, Julie. We love Dwayne, local product. We also know that Alex has had a tremendous story. He has been ruled to be back in football shape. Um, what I've seen on Twitter and hop, being able to watch the show that you guys live stream every now and then, um, Rivera is open to, to seeing what happens. Like this is going to be a healthy competition. Sort of, kind of, maybe. Well, I mean, healthy being the key word, let's hope he stays healthy, right? right? Um, I mean, look, nobody wants to put him in and see him go down and get crushed um, uh, from that. Let's, you know, I, I just don't even want to put that out into the universe. Um, but he's really impressed everybody. I mean, he really has. And, and, you know, I guess a lot of people that knew him knew that he would fight and work his way back. If you watch the documentary, I mean, it's it's just, it's, it's really eye-opening and tear-jerking and empowering the fact that he almost lost his leg, lost his life. And here he is now um, playing football. He hasn't been cleared for all the contact. I would hate to be the defense that's going to go up and try and, you know, test him and, and try and take him down uh, on the team in practices. Uh, but look, you know, 
should he come back, uh, Dwayne Haskins Jr. says, look, I still, I'm open for the competition. Uh, Kyle Alistair is open for the competition and they won't put Alex out until they feel that it is safe, that he could totally be out there as well. But they said, even though he is, anytime he's out there, like you feel his presence. So whether mm -hmm. he ends up ever playing for them or not, you feel his presence and he makes an impact. You know, Monica, now that we've gotten into the football questions, Julie, it, this is so strange. As you see behind me, you know, covering the Saints for years, being around them in, in the, the, the heat in the preseason. Like you get to this time of year and football is back. OK, and it doesn't feel like that right now for the rest of us, because, you know, media members aren't putting out videos of practice. Um, you're not seeing the hits from players and the reports are that it rained and then they had to go inside and that media members weren't there. It feels so different. And I guess the way what I want to ask you about is the level of play. Is there any concern that these guys aren't hitting enough, that the offense is not facing the defense and that these players are going to be at a higher risk for injury and that maybe we won't see the same level of excellent play that we typically see in the NFL? Well, look, the preseason is a time to evaluate the roster, to kind of see how you put your systems in, and even for the vets, you know, to be able to get a few of those reps in before the real season. But during the lockout season that they had quite a few years ago, when they first came back, there were a lot of extra injuries to the soft tissue, to the light pulled ligaments and joints and stuff. And that's because they didn't have the extra time out there, to your point. Uh, but that's also one of the reasons why they're taking this slowly, because they haven't had the mini camps or the OTAs. This is the first time. You can't just come in, put the pads on, and and then not think that you're going to get injured going into the football shape. Because as every player says, there's being in shape and there's being in football shape. And they're finding out now quickly. And when they put the pads on, who is going to be in football shape? So they've taken those few weeks uh, to slowly work their way into it, which I think is good, installing things. The helmets are on next week, I believe on the 18th Thursday or so. The pads will be on. And that's when you'll really be able to see how the roster is going to form out, how the scheme and the systems being put in place are, are going to take mold. Um, and they'll finally go up against each other. You know, hopefully that the, the guys are doing what they need to take it slowly so they won't have those injuries. Uh, you know, I mean, that's always the goal is to stay healthy throughout the season. And then also they're going to have to have other guys they got to get ready because of COVID. You know, you hope that that doesn't wreak havoc, uh, you know, out here. Um, but it, it's definitely an interesting time, unprecedented. And, you know, we're, we're hoping for the best. You know, by all means, they're taking extra every precaution possible to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, but, you know, they want to do it wisely and safely. Um, how has Chase Young looked in person? Because I'm like, <laughs> thrilled. And, you know, when he walks around here, I've, I've had the opportunity of interviewing him a couple of times and he's so focused. He just wants to play ball. You know, that's all he wants to do. But when you do see him walking in and out of the building and to the, to the bubble and to everything, I mean, he, someone's like, he kind of just looks like this, this computerized avatar kind of a thing. <laughs> he's, like a, he's like the perfect prototype of a specimen. Uh, and you know, he's real, he's here. He's number two overall draft pick could easily have been number one had thank you Cincinnati not needed a quarterback uh he came here you know so yeah and, and by all means he's going to be living up to the hype yeah you know Monica you you made me think of my Chase Young story in this sense I know everyone has seen the Markel Folds Chase Young thing but uh Andre Jones you know partner on this podcast as well he invited Love me Dre. to the game and we I went to go see Markel Folds play and as I'm standing there in the stands there's a kid well it looked like a grown man in a tank top and I'm like, why is this grown man at this high school basketball game in the middle of the winter in a tank top? And he walks past and I'm like, this, that's a boy. 
I'm looking at his face. I'm like, that's a boy. And Andre can, you know, proceeds to tell me, oh, that's Chase Young. He's going to be a great football player, Chris. I'm like, that's a high school kid. So I can only imagine how much more uh, ripped he is now. And, and he's just, there are just some people that are born to be great at things. Julie, you were born to be great at, at this job. So I'm so happy for you. And um, one last question, I guess. The new name, a possible new mascot. Is there a timetable for that? Is this is this going to be the Washington football team for the next 10 years or the next offseason will have a new name? No, look, we're, we're calling ourselves the Washington football team established in 1932. That's what we're calling ourselves for right now. You couldn't rush into this. There is no way you could have gone out there and just picked a mascot and picked a new name in the time frame that they were doing this in and it been able to resonate with everyone and it not be something that was, you know, exclusive. And that's really what they want is they felt like the last, you know, the name that they went through over the years, it got to be very divisive and they don't want that with this team. They want to do something that makes sure everybody feels included and you can't rush that. You have to make sure you listen to the fans, you listen to the community and you get all that feedback in before you go. And then even once you do decide, it takes like 18 to 24 months to even just go through the whole rebranding process. So we're on super speed trying to make sure that we're ready for week one of the season when everything Thing is officially transferred over. But yeah, this is temporary right now. This is just to get it behind us so we can play the game of football, talk about the game of football, take in all the considerations of what fans are doing. There's a site called WashingtonJourney.com where every fan can put in their submissions. We're highlighting them. We're paying attention. We're getting the right people to make sure it's right. And then when, when they feel like they have it right, whenever that is, I don't know, when they feel like they have it right, uh, then we'll go with whatever name that is going to be. We are all looking forward to that. All right, so this is my last one, Julie. It's a new era in terms of Coach Rivera, the Rivera era. I love that. Um, you've got a new person ahead of the digital branding in yourself, the, in the radio booth. Lots of news. If you could talk directly to our fans, which I know you're doing all the time, what, are you at, what would you ask fans to do as we really turn the page on a new era in all facets of Washington football? Look, I, I understand this is hard and, and I get it, you know, um, you know, and I've only been here for the last 10 years and, and I, I can feel the pain. I can feel the anger. Um, I can feel the frustrations, the sadness, the confusion. Um, and I see it because we want to be very social and that is the world that we're in right now because we can't have them out here in person and you can't be at the stadium. Um, so that's the way that we're trying to communicate with them. You know, we get it. Um, and, and, you know, look, I, I wasn't here during all, you know, the three Super Bowls, during the Hogs and all that stuff. But I'm going to make sure that there is going to be the right alumni around me, plenty of people around me that's going to be able to keep that tradition alive, to be able to keep it going so they don't have to feel like they have to, to lose it, that it's not going to be lost. You know, and what we're doing here is really exciting. It's fun. It's progressive. And hopefully fans are going to realize that we're going to be as transparent as possible. We're going to include them as much as possible. And we really hope that, you know, the loyalty that they have had through the thick, through the thin, through the ugly um, is going to pay off for them. And they're going to realize that, you know what, we're doing this right for you. We realize it hasn't been that way in the past. So, Julie, for your loyal fan base, tell them where they can still see you because you're still recording with Santana every day. Tell everyone where they can still see your broadcast. So we stream every morning Washington Football Live at 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. So you can go there anytime and do that. As well, I have a show at 2.30 called Happy Hour. We rotate in our insiders. Um, so that's Monday through Friday at 2.30. And then, of course, we have our uh, digital series coming out unfiltered. Marcus Stevenson, is, he came here in the fall and has really changed around this digital presence that I think fans are going to love. But we've got some great shows coming out there. We are going to be giving you unprecedented access to these players.
players. Uh, we're trying to get up and running as best we can. Where I am right now is going to be like a makeshift studio because we can't get to the studio because we're not allowed. That's tier one and two. We are tier three. Um, so we're going to be bringing you some television programs as well. So we have a lot of stuff coming your way. It's going to be hard to not find us. Julie Donaldson, Senior Vice President of Media and Content for the Washington football team. Distance hugs. Here we go. Bring them in. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks for stepping to the mic.